Recording in progress. All right, I'd like to call the Monday, November 6th, 2023, regular meeting of the Shoreline City Council to order. Will you please join me in the flag salute? Pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, Thank you. Will the clerk please call the roll? Mayor Scully. Present. Deputy Mayor Robertson. Here. Councilmember Ramsdow. Present. Councilmember Mark. Here. Here. Councilmember McConnell. Here. Councilmember Poby. Here. Councilmember Roberts. Here. Tonight, I have the pleasure of proclaiming Saturday, November 11th, 2023, as Veterans Appreciation Day in the city of Shoreline. I'd like to invite to the podium past Commander Larry Fisher and Ray Coffey from the Star Sutherland Jr., Post 227, the American Legion, to receive the proclamation. Whereas our nation was founded on the belief that all Americans are created equal and are guaranteed the inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and our nation's veterans have sacrificed to preserve and protect our country and constitution from all enemies, foreign and domestic, and November 11th, 1919, was initially proclaimed as Armistice Day to honor our country's World War I veterans, and in order for a grateful nation to pay homage to veterans of all wars, on June 1st, 1954, President Eisenhower signed into law the renaming of Armistice Day to Veterans Day. And the city of Shoreline recognizes the contributions of the men and women in the military who have served our country and who continue to serve their communities. And whereas on Friday, November 10th, 2023, at 2 p.m. at Shoreline City Hall, the Shoreline Veterans Association is hosting their annual Veterans Day celebration to honor local veterans. Now, therefore, I, Keith Scully, Mayor of the City of Shoreline, on behalf of the Shoreline City Council, do hereby proclaim November 11th, 2023, as Veterans Appreciation Day. As a chairman of the Shoreline Veterans Association, I gladly uh, accept this wonderful proclamation from the mayor and, and city council. Um, the Shoreline Veterans Association represents all veterans, uh, the uh, Shoreline American Legion Post, the VFW Post, um, uh, the AMVETS, the U.S. Volunteers Joint Services Command. And with us here tonight, I have um, a Representative uh, Larry Fisher from the um, uh, uh, from the VFW, and also Mr. Bill McCulley, who is the uh, chairman of the Evergreen Washelli Veterans Board that uh, has an announcement about their program. Larry? Sorry. Yes, I want to thank the uh, Shoreline City Council for this uh, proclamation. Uh, I think it's just an incredible uh, honor for us to receive such a uh, proclamation and so I want to thank the council and the mayor and uh, those responsible for doing this for us. Uh, I belong to a number of veterans organizations and I'll in in the shoreline area and I'll certainly pass that information on to those other veterans organizations as well and we will hopefully be able to uh, receive this proclamation and will will proudly display it at the American Legion Post 227. So again, thank you very much for this honor. We do appreciate it. 
wanted to thank you for the opportunity to be here today uh, on behalf of all veterans and also to extend to all of you on the 10th, this coming Friday, Evergreen with Shelley will be having its annual, I believe this is the 97th annual Veterans Day ceremony. At 10 o'clock, 5,000 flags will be placed in about 25 minutes at all of the grave sites of the veterans there at Evergreen with Shelley. And then at 11 o'clock, there will be a ceremony where we talk about, we have a speaker about Veterans Day, as well as we honor and acknowledge all of our veterans. So if you can be there, um, we would appreciate your showing up. And of course, your event is that afternoon at 2 o'clock, I believe. So I will see you then. Thank you very much for this honor. Next up is approval of the agenda. Are there any requested changes to the proposed agenda? All right, seeing none, the agenda is adopted unanimously. Next up is the report of the city manager, Mr. Norris. Thank you, Mayor, and good evening, Council. Uh, just a couple of short updates uh, this evening. Uh, we have an exciting new resource coming to the city. There we go, there's a slide, is up. Um, a tool library, uh, so the Shoreline Tool Library is coming to Shoreline, which is fabulous. A tool library works just like a regular book library, provides loan access to tools you may only need uh, to use occasionally, from bandsaws to air compressors. They even have sewing machines. Uh, at this uh, information session, which is tomorrow, uh, November 7th, from 6 to 8 p.m. right here at City Hall, uh, you can learn about the new location, the offerings at the tool library, classes, and how to get involved. RSVPs are appreciated, uh, but not required to attend this information session. You can visit shorelinewa.gov slash calendar to learn more and to RSVP. And as you just heard, um, and as the mayor read as part of uh, the city's proclamation uh, for Veterans Appreciation Day, Shoreline's annual Veterans Day celebration uh, will be held here at City Hall at 2 p.m. Uh, on Friday, November 10th. All active military and veterans of the U.S. Military Service are invited along with friends, family, and those who would like to honor our veterans. A short pro uh, program will be followed by coffee, tea, and light refreshments, and I believe the mayor will be speaking as well. Uh, for more information, you can visit the city's website at shorelinewa.gov uh, for information about the event, and thank you again to all of our veterans and for their service to our country. And as a reminder, City Hall will be closed Friday, November 10th, in honor of Veterans Day, except, of course, for that Veterans Day event that's happening at 2 p.m. And uh, we don't have any other public meetings coming up this week, so we will be back here uh, next Monday for a city council meeting on November 13th. Uh, and you can see as well on the slide, upcoming Planning Commission and uh, Parks, Recreation, Cultural Services slash Tree Board meeting this month and into next month uh, from our agendas and information on how to participate uh, in or comment on all of our public meetings, you can visit the city's web calendar. And Mayor, that's all I have tonight. Thank you, Mr. Norris. Next up is council reports. Are there any council reports? Councilmember Mark. I attended the regional water quality um, meeting in uh, where we discussed 
sewer rates and WTD and factors that impact it and what we can do to understand about them ahead of time. Thank you. Anyone else? Deputy Mayor. I had the chance to represent the council twice this last week. Uh, first at the City Learn program, uh, which I know we're going to all take turns attending uh, in the upcoming months in, in an ongoing fashion. I really enjoyed it, and I strongly encourage individuals in the community who are interested in, in learning more to um, seek that program out and participate. They got a very relevant, timely presentation on stormwater. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which came in handy this last weekend, I'm sure. Um, and the other one was I was able to, to go to the Dia de los Muertos event that was at Shoreline Center. Just a really wonderful gathering of community members, celebration of culture here in the Shoreline area. Um, proud to be there, and I'm excited that, you know, just to have more events like this in our community. Thank you. Any other council reports? All right, I represented the city at the REPLUS event. We were the first city to sign the REPLUS pledge to uh, commit to a zero waste future. We were honored for that signature along with every other city in King County. It was quite the event and I was proud to be there with uh, the staff who made it possible. Next up is public comments. This is an opportunity for members of the public to address us on any item on the agenda or of concern to themselves related to the city. We ask that you begin your comments with your name and city residence. It's three minutes per speaker, and we're going to take the folks in person uh, first. Ms. Selman-Chicksmith. Yes, so Richard O'Leary. Good evening. As she mentioned, my name is Richard O'Leary. My wife and I have lived in the city of Shoreline since 2001, we, when we purchased a house built in 1964 on Sunnyside Avenue North. Uh, we are proponents of the light rail and the growth that is occurring as, as a result of that. Um, but we were surprised about a month ago by a knock on our door with the property owner of the uh, property, let's see, it would be to the northeast corner of our property, indicating that uh, she had a surveyor with her and was indicating that uh, the survey put her property boundary within our boundaries and she asked permission to put a, a boundary marker in our backyard. We gave her permission to enter the yard to do that, heard no further communication. Until about a week later, I happened to look out as I was uh, fixing breakfast for the kids and saw that our fence had been torn down, both on the north side and the east side of our property line at that corner. Um, spoke with my lawyer. He indicated that uh, it's probably because when the house was built in 64, the survey methods were not as accurate as they are today, but that it would cost five to $10,000 for him to fight it for us. Um, this is the same property owner uh, is doing the same thing at two properties, the neighbor to our south on Sunnyside uh, reported to me when, I, when we were speaking of this that he's going to lose three feet of the entire width of his property because the neighbor says or the property owner says his fence is on her property by that distance. I have two questions. Uh, well, let me back up first. Uh, I've spoken with the planning department here, the planning and permits. They were helpful, or well, they were at least uh, sympathetic, um, but uh, really said there wasn't much they could do. The code enforcement officer said, uh, or office rather, said it's not really a code issue, it's a, a neighbor issue. And the city attorney's office uh, would not return uh, my call except to say, get a lawyer, this is not a city issue, it's a neighbor to neighbor issue. My concern is, this problem was caused by a permit issued by the city 
where for the previous 59 years there had been no question about the boundary. So my two questions for you, which are not intended to be rhetorical, are these. Why is nearly 60 years of precedent of boundary line not enough? And number two, why must I have to pay five to $10,000 to settle this? I thank you for your time. Thank you, Mr. O'Leary. Do we have anyone else signed up in person? No one in person. We have some online, correct? We have two people that pre-registered for public comment this evening. Rick Jones is the first one, but I don't see him in the list of attendees. The second one is Derek Blackwell. All right, Ms. Mr. Jones, if you are present online, please raise your hand in the Zoom feature, and we'll go with Mr. Blackwell first and see if Mr. Uh, Mr. Jones appears. Hello, this is Derek Blackwell. I live nearby the Madeira Project on Linden Avenue. Here once again with the neighborhood concern for long-term traffic hazards from this project. Our concern is the plan calls for only one driveway connecting to the garage. And this is at the far end of this very large building, to the best of my knowledge, the second largest being played in the city. So far, there's only been one reply from Kate Lee to me and other neighbors to the email thread to city staff and council begun September 8th. My comment concludes. The unsafe traffic conditions caused by Madeira, as currently planned, could be made safer by allowing normal resident access to the underground garage at both the north and south driveways. The two driveways would be almost 500 feet apart, so conflicts would be minimal. See the following study provided by Kendra Dedinsky, city traffic engineer, which states, crash rates were highest when consecutive accesses were within 150 feet of one another, and the frequency of crashes decreased substantively as spacing was increased to 300 feet and particularly 600 feet. So at 500 feet, conflicts between north and south would be insubstantial. And again, I and others are responding to a deviation request for this project, which states, continuing, the applicant states that the southern driveway access has, has limited usage, also only emergency and move in, move out procedures that will limit the amount of traffic using this driveway as a point of access into the site. Uh, my reply, this would further increase traffic at the northern driveway of this very long building see above okay we covered this thoroughly continuing this document fails to mention an important fact that the southern driveway as planned will not connect to the underground garage and cannot be utilized for emergencies in the garage as might be implied unless the low resolution diagrams are carefully examined these points were raised by myself and 13 other shoreline residents who commented during the two-week comment period for the Madeira project, August 2022, and these comments are a deeper exploration of these points. And of email. It was a complete waste of my time looking into an appeal. It was a distraction. I should have spent my time pursuing communications outside the box, such as this, much earlier in the process, but again, I followed instructions and found it was a nearly impossible no-win situation to even get started. I'll be back next week to tell you why I finally gave up, and I think you'll be quite surprised. For staff to present the possibility of an appeal as an option really is disingenuous, as you will hear. Thank you for hearing me, and thank you for all you do in these difficult times. Thank you, Mr. Blackwell. And it looks like Mr. Jones has not appeared. So next up is the consent agenda. 
I move approval of the consent agenda. Second that. Will the clerk please call the votes? Mayor Scully? Aye. Deputy Mayor Robertson? Aye. Councilmember Ramsdale? Aye. Councilmember Roberts? Aye. Councilmember McConnell? Aye. Councilmember Mark? Aye. Councilmember Pubby? Aye. The consent calendar passes unanimously. Next up is action item 8A, which is the public hearing and discussion on ordinance number 994-2024. We're gonna proceed with the staff reports, then open it up, then open it up for the public hearing followed by discussion. Good evening, Mayor and City Council. Uh, my name is Meng Liu. I'm the manager for budget and tax. Um, so with me here tonight, we have Sarah Lane, who is the director for Ministry of Services, as well as uh, Christy Hopkins, who's in the audience. Um, she's the senior budget analyst. So tonight, I'll be presenting to you the 2023-2024 mid-biennial uh, budget update, uh, as well as revenue sources and property tax levy for 2024. Um, so for today's uh, presentation, we have a couple agenda items. So first of all, um, I'm going to go through a brief financial update for Q3 2023. Um, and following that, I will be briefly going through the uh, 2024 property tax levies and then returning the floor back to you to conduct public hearing on property tax and discussion and comments. Um, and then I will continue on the presentation on the mid-buy budget update and fee schedules. Um, and then fo following that, returning back to you to conduct the public hearing to update 2023-2024 biannual budget and also a discussion and comments. And as a last step, we will talk about next steps for the mid-buy. All right, so as a, a starting point for the financial update, we are we will be focusing mostly on the general fund. Um, in terms of revenue, um, the Q3 uh, financial is for revenue is showing pretty on trend with our plan. We're just under 75% of uh, actuals. Um, and I will have a couple more slides later on to talk about specific <coughs> revenue sources as well. For expenditures, we're fairly on par with how we are experiencing last year as well, with just under 60% expenditure to date. 
uh, for transfer out, we're just a little under on the slide um, you're seeing right now, and that's just because um, at the time of the preparation for this presentation, we still are waiting for some entries to be completed. So we will be bringing back the Q3 financial report on November 20th, which will have all the finalized um, information for you. So going into more details on the um, uh, revenue sources, the first one is property tax. So in 2022, uh, uh, voters has approved uh, the levy lift. So for 2023, our allowable levy is uh, 22.15 million. So to date, we're just about 50% uh, of receipt of that revenue. And we're expecting to be uh, pretty much receiving the full allowable levy for 2023. For sales tax, we are having another pretty strong year for sales tax revenue. So to us of Q3 2023, um, our actual is 8 million, and we're anticipating by the end of the year to be around 13.5 million. Um, and a, a lot of the growth is really driven by the construction sector, which you see has 20, almost 25% of increase year over year. However, we're not expecting this level of growth to continue on in the future years, given the volatility and uncertainty in the state of economy. Um, so for our future financial forecast, we're actually um, paring that down and have a fairly conservative um, growth rate for sales tax revenue. Um, for recreation revenue, um, so this graph you see here has sort of two main source. One's a general recreation and one's facility rentals. For general recreation, we have a very successful 2023, uh, mainly due to uh, the ability to host um, uh, camps offsite, a strong summer enrollment, as well as being able to increase the youth programming in Spartan Recreation Center. Um, for facility rentals, we are uh, seeing a, a very successful um, uh, reservation level for 2023. So with both of them combined, as you can see, we're expecting um, that at the end of the year, we will return fully to the pre-pandemic level for recreation revenue sources. In terms of development revenue, um, our actual to date is higher than what's currently forecasted, even though the permit and plan check fees um, volume has been down. And that's because uh, a huge portion of the uh, permits are coming from higher valuation projects. Um, Another thing to caveat on here is that um, because it's Q3, we have not done the deferred revenue exercise that we usually do at the end of the year. So what that means is that at the end of the year, anything um, that's not completed in terms of permitting will be deferred to the, the following year. So with that uh, being uh, completed at the end of the year, you will likely go lower and closer to the forecast. Um, in terms of a utility tax, uh, there's a, some timing differences in terms of actuals, but generally we're expecting the utility tax to be fairly stable and consistent with our plan. The only thing that I will highlight is that telecommunication tax is another, is a sector that we continue to see decrease because the challenges in that particular sector. 
And lastly, I would like to uh, quickly talk about REIT. So REIT, um, the ex real estate exercise tax, is one of the ongoing revenue source for our capital. Um, because of the high interest rate environment this year and the low transaction volume, we are seeing a pretty significant uh, decrease uh, comparing to 2022 actual. The good thing is in 2022's biannual budget, um, we did um, budget read fairly conservatively. So compared to our plan, um, we're about 5% under our current budget. Um, so as of now, we don't have any plan to make further adjustment to read uh, revenue source. Uh, we are definitely monitoring this revenue closely, um, and should there be anything that we'll, we need to bring back to you, we will definitely uh, making sure we, we do that. So that concludes the, uh, the brief financial update for Q3. So moving on to the first ordinance that we will be quickly going over is Ordinance 994, which is a property tax. So. Um, so as, you, as a reminder, in 2022, a Proposition 1 was approved, which resets the tax levy at $1.39 for 2023. So from 2024 onwards until 2028, the increase will be based on CPIU. Since the 2024 CPIU is 4.616%, um, that will be essentially the proposed uh, increase for property tax. And that's essentially equivalent to an estimated property tax of $1.62 uh, per 1,000 assessed value. In addition, in 2022, voters has approved excess tax levy for parks bond to support the parks improvement projects. Um, so in the ordinance, you will also see that we included a proposed $2.949 million, uh, $2 million for the excess tax levy for parks bond. So with that, I will return it back to you, Council, to conduct the public, public hearing on property tax. All right, thank you. I want to open the public hearing. Has anyone signed up in advance? No. All right, thank you. There's no one in the audience, so I'm going to close the public hearing. Questions or comments from Council? Councilor Roberts. Uh, thank you. Um, thank you for the, this wonderful presentation, and we are, it's always helpful to have this. You mentioned uh, we are not planning to do any adjustment on read the REIT portion now. Um, do you have any sense? I mean, it's obviously we can't predict anything, and that's <laughs> part of this. But um, in the first uh, few years of the, in the chart you showed, I mean, we're looking at the sort of REIT revenues around 1.9 million or so, something like that, and. Obviously, the last couple of years were, were the high point, but uh, where do you think, I mean, do you have a sense of where things might be heading? I mean, are we heading back to that sort of lows that we had eight, nine years ago, or do you, do you sort of think that we're sort of in some stability moment? <laughs> I, I will comment. Um, I mean, based on what we're seeing, it honestly is fluctuating quite a lot from month to month. I mean, um, we do follow all the um, uh, agency that produce their forecasts. Um, um, we did take a very close look at um, 
anything that has to do with the housing market this year. Um, but honestly, it has really changed quite differently from quarter to quarter, month to month. So I don't really have a really good answer to predict what's that, going that's to come. Fine. <laughs> but no, I think the saying that it varies month to month, I mean, is quite, is quite helpful there. The other question along those lines is, how much is that uh, REIT revenue based on sort of those high value uh, sales, largely of commercial multifamily properties versus the sort of single family, largely uh, type dwellings? Is, is that part of the variation or is that? We actually exclude um, much of those large one time when we're doing our forecasts, which is what creates the more conservative forecast and why we're not in as much trouble as we would have been had we based our forecasts solely on past experience. So what we're seeing is, is largely the single family when we're forecasting, we're seeing yes. what we expect from sort of low density residential rather than. Yeah, and, and we have increased some because clearly there's a lot more million dollar sales now than there used to be. We used to exclude almost right. anything over a million dollars and we had to move that up, but, but it still maintains um, that conservancy. Okay. Um, the other question is on the telecommunication tax. I know this has been dropping year over year. Um, but we still are budgeting that at a relatively high rate compared to what revenues we're receiving, which seems to be, at least from 2000, from, looked at from the chart, it looks like it's relatively similar between 2022 and 2023. Um, are we, is there thought about sort of rethinking the sort of expected revenue from telecommunication taxes? Um, I believe in the forecast for, it's not reflected in the Q3 because obviously it's not, um, uh, has not went through the budget process, um, but uh, we are actually lowering the um, the expected forecast revenue down for that sector. Um, it's not, I would say, very significant. I don't have the number on top of my head, but if that's something, um, if you need further de no, detail, fine. we can definitely provide that. Thank you. Thank you, Mayor. Further questions or comments from Council? Councilmember McConnell. Um, Thank you for being conservative every year, especially on on REIT and other things, because that has kept us really very, very solid through some really bad, bad years that I, as a council member, knew other cities had. So I, I think that's, you know, an excellent way to do it, because then it's all great when we have that kind of money. Um, the REIT, I, just looking at the chart, there's, I feel like there's really like a lot of pressure coming up, right, for next year that people are going to want to buy, regardless of the interest rate. At some point, that they have to buy for lots of reasons. As soon as that interest rate bubbles down a little bit, I think we're going to get an, another little mini explosion. So, uh, I'm just glad to see that you're really conservative, conservative that way, and uh, that the. Upzone stuff, you don't really include it in there, but that also is another area that is just sitting, waiting for interest rates to go down. And uh, because those those companies at some point have to project work a year, two years in advance, that's how they stay, you know, uh, alive. So I, I think next year we're going to see. Um, it's going to improve one way or the other. But I'm glad to see that you're not counting on it. Thank you very much. Thank Other you. questions or comments from council? 
Councilmember Mark. Thank you, Mayor. I'm interested in the sales tax revenue. Uh, you were indicating you did not think that this would continue next year. How much higher is it this year relative, and uh, how much do you think it's overstated for next year? So I believe this year in our budget, we have budgeted, I think, 11 something million. So I think we're probably expecting to be 2.5 million over our plan. Um, but for next year, the reason why we wanted to be conservative is because we've been seeing huge swings in various forecasts from from June, from uh, September. It actually changed quite dramatically for sales tax. So we uh, we did some research and compared different agencies' information, and we picked a, the most conservative option that we, we think that we can rely on, which is a, our neighbor city Seattle's forecast. Um, so um, so it's quite modest. I think it's just over 1% for 2024, um, just because we're anticipating there may be some volatility and potential changes in the economy. 1% uh, is what you said? Yes, for okay. increase from this year's actual. Thank you. And I would also like to say I really appreciate your report. Thank you. Further questions or comments? I just have one. Um, I'm a little confused by the language on the rate. It says we're going to be setting it at CPIU, um, which is the equivalent of estimated 1.621 per 1,000 AV. Does that mean we are planning or we are anticipating that we will set it at $1.621? If you adopt the full, the full levy lift, that's what the rate would calculate. Remember, we have to back in, we back into the rate based upon what the levy is set at. So when council sets that levy, it backs in. That's what it would calculate out to when uh, it's set at the, at the full amount of the CPI. Right. Thank you. I was just confused by equivalent of estimated. Yeah. Um, and what's the maximum that we can currently set it at? So the maximum, it kind of depends on, well, it actually depends on sort of the, the whole tax jurisdiction. So because we're in the tax jurisdiction with with fire and library, so um, so if they have not reached their maximum, we we can go over the typical $1.60 uh, ceiling. So that's what happened this year, is that they have uh, not levied their maximum. Um, and and we have set our um, our rate for 2023 at $1.39, and with the increase, that's kind of based on CPIU. Um, so we're we're at $1.62, but yeah. it is still allowable. All right, understood. But but we're close, right? I mean, we're not. There's there's not much wiggle room left. And if next year exactly. they decide to increase their rate, then we'll be looking at cuts. Right, because yeah. really the $1.60 is sort of the protected city right. rate. And we are allowed to go over that because they haven't utilized their full authority. But you're right, we are close. If valuations continued to decrease, we would we would be in that area of being at the max. Okay. Any further questions? No. All right. Thank you. And I think we can go straight into the next reports. Great. Okay, so I'll continue on the, the rest of the presentation uh, formed by uh, 
budget as well as revenue sources. So I will start with fee schedule. So in the report, we have two ordinance for the impact fees and one resolution for rates, fees, and charges for services. So in general, um, the fee schedule for 2024 are increased by um, the June to June uh, CPIU, which is again the 4.62%, or it has remained flat. So, um, so there isn't anything that's really different that steers away from that general. Uh, anything that's more specifically tied to other indices um, or race studies, we did specifically point out in the report for your information. Um, the other thing I want to uh, point out is that um, for transportation impact fees, you see in the schedule, is currently based on the CCI, which is the construction cost index, uh, which is essentially an inflationary factor. Um, there will be further changes uh, to be brought back to council in the near future for any amendments related to the transportation impact fees. For salary and benefits, for the 2024 cost of living adjustment, um, the recommendation for non-representatives and uh, extra help uh, to have their increase based on the 100% CPIU, again, the 4.62%. The representative staff's collective agreement is still ongoing, um, so that will be brought back at a later date. And any recommended title change for positions are reflected in the salary tables, Exhibit A. Uh, for mid-by-budget requests, we have a couple big categories of um, items. So the first one is personnel. So staff is recommending 3.25 FT increase. Out of that, 2.5 FTE are limited terms, and the remaining 0.75 FTE is funded by wastewater for the low-income program. Uh, we also have a, a bucket category of emerging issues. These are issues or items that were not anticipated at a time of 2022 biannual budget or the um, budget amendment we have recently done in April. Um, so these are major, majority of the emerging issues are one time. For the mid-by-budget true-up, these are uh, appropriation move, movement between funds. It's generally um, administrative and it's just to uh, making sure that we have the appropriate, appropriate appropriation level for uh, existing projects and programs. So it's, um, it doesn't really have a net true additional um, budget ask. And lastly, the capital update um, is based on our review for our capital plan uh, with some of the new revenue such as grants coming through as well as any ramp up of capital projects. There are a number of um, requests that are included in the mid-buy for those adjustments. So with those, we have um, we have updated our 10-year financial model. So as you see in this chart, um, the black line represents the baseline revenue. So that includes the revenue sor sources such as property tax, sales tax, and our uh, latest estimate for, for those revenue sources in the next 10 years. 
Um, the solid red line represents the expenditure without the mid-buy request, and the dotted uh, uh, red line represents the expenditure including the mid-buy request. So as you can see, the, um, the, the changes between the, the dotted and the solid line is really concentrated in the 2023-2024 years. Um, that's just mainly because a lot of the asks are one-time only. So to summarize this section, um, for 20, by the end of this biennial, we're anticipating uh, an assigned undesignated ending fund balance for general fund to be 12.6 million, and that's after taking into consideration of our set-asides required by financial policy, as well as previous approval for budget amendment, and also any one-time set-asides for ma um, major projects such as parks bond, west side transformation, and city maintenance facility. So with that, I will return back to you, Council, for public hearing on fee schedules and update on 2023-2024 biennial budget. Thank you. I'm going to go ahead and open the public hearing on those items. Is there anyone signed up in advance? No one signed up for the public hearing in advance. All right. And there's still no one in the audience, so I'm going to close the public hearing. Uh, Council, questions or comments on these items? Councilmember Povey. Yeah. Thank, thank you, Mayor, and thank you for the... Uh, the chat and all the comments, 86 pages, that was a lot. <laughs> um, what I'm very excited about but need clarification on is from 2025 through 2028. Now we are looking at the, um, those we have surpluses, which is exciting, but prior to that, 2023, 2024, we are seeing a gap in the, what is going to happen from 2025 through 2028. because. Per your first presentation, there's going to be a decrease in revenue for REIT. You're trying as much as you can to be very conservative, and so you are not over budgeting or projecting. So, what's happening from 2025? So, in 2025 to 2028, we are anticipating the surplus because of the levy lid lift. Um, the reason there is the gap in 2023 and 2024 is because the approval of one-time purchases that are anticipated to use the fund balance. So this chart focuses on our um, general fund and operating fund, so it doesn't incorporate the capital. We have a whole other model that looks out at those capital funds. Okay, quick follow-up. So I'm not sure if I heard you correct, but you said this does not include capital. Correct. Okay. This is this is just our operating operating funds and one time, so that gap is for one time, which is our policy that we use yeah. the one time revenues for one time purchases. So that's what the what the earlier gap is representing. Yeah, thank you. I don't recall what was the policy on minimum reserve. So we have um, a minimum reserve uh, to ensure we keep, I believe, 30% of some of the ongoing revenue sources. That's our revenue stabilization fund for something, if some, if you know, for a serious e economic downturn that we need to, you know, draw from. That's really what that purpose for. Um, so that's sort of the rainy day fund that we try to always keep 
um, a, a healthy balance in. Okay. We also have an operating, um, an operating reserve as well that we maintain for that is a set dollar amount, but it it is equivalent, I believe, to about ninety um, days. It's operating. actually in the chart. Yeah. Um, um, in the section, I believe, is called Budget Operating Contingency. So that is another contingency we keep in our um, operating reserve. Okay, I, I mean, I, I'm possibly, maybe I'm reading that wrong, but I was seeing ops in, uh, sorry, a little bit of reserves, which is non-operational reserve, but tied to capital. But I may be reading that wrong. So I will look into that. Oh, Thank you. and so in the capital budgets, we don't have a minimum reserve requirement. We do a six-year forecast for that to make sure that as we're planning our projects out over that capital period, that we're not going in the negative. But unlike the operating and the enterprise funds where we have an operating contingency, we don't have that same requirement in our capital, capital funds. Okay, that's that's clarifying. Sorry, man, that's clarifying because I was wondering we have an enterprise fund, which is the uh, so I was seeing that possibly. But yes. Now it's clarified. Thank you, Councilmember Mark. Thank you. I uh, appreciate Councilmember Poby's question, and I'm kind of confused about the um, maintenance facility and why that's not considered a capital project. When, once the money is, when the project would be in the capital funds, but we are contributing from the general fund. So the general fund can contribute to the capital fund. It can contribute to the enterprise funds. So we are contributing from the general fund to the capital fund once that project gets approved. So in the meantime, we're holding it in the general fund because it is, they are general funds and we don't want to get them commingled with the rest of the capital funds until such time as we're moving forward. So we transfer them. So that's why we're still showing it as a as a holdback in that in the general fund reserves. Is this a typical maneuver? Yes. Thank you. Other questions or comments? Councilmember Ramsdell. Uh, thank you, Mayor. Um, Thank you so much. Those uh, it was really fascinating going through all 84 pages of, uh, <laughs> of the uh, staff report. Um, I, I had some. Uh, I was really glad to see that there was money set aside for uh, performance management analyst. Um, that there were that there's money uh, requested for banners on the Aurora corridor. I mean, just driving up and down uh, Aurora, I could see like some of those banners just really looking horrible. Um, and then the severe weather shelter. Um, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, and one of the kind of coming back to the performance management analyst, um, I was wondering if you can kind of give me a little bit of a, you know, uh, uh, 5,000 foot um, kind of uh, overview of of the approach that you're using to, to budgeting, because I, I, one of the things that I was kind of looking for and hoping to see, um, and maybe this is something that will happen in the future, is elements of kind of performance budgeting or um, evidence-based budgeting, where you're kind of we're able to like kind of look at the efficiencies of each department and kind of making some adjustments um, to each department's um, uh, budget based on. Um, some performance measures or some evidence-based measures because I, I'm just as, as a way of kind of looking at um, the efficiencies of each department um, some of that data I think would be really helpful to determine like whether there needs to be any adjustments to 
to um, the budget to those to those departments. So you can see Sarah smiling. So, <laughs> so this um, this is maybe the first step to deciding if we wanted to move to performance-based budgeting, yeah. and I think this is um, City Manager Ellington's. Um, desire to start with getting meaningful performance measures mm. that we could use as we you know operate and hold ourselves accountable now how that would lead to performance based budgeting would be the next step after we had the position filled and and started to build our program so i'm not going to promise that that we would get there even for anywhere near next year's budget sure, process sure. i look forward to seeing how that all that whole kind of process evolves um, uh, so, yeah, that's uh, uh, the only question I had. Thank you. Other questions or comments? Deputy Mayor. This should be a quick one. Just about the, the requested new positions and then how so many of them are term limited. Is that a strategy just to see if we actually need them um, to just give us the opportunity to analyze whether or not those are long-term needs um, or not? This is kind of an entry level, I mean, not entry level, you know what I mean, entree. I, I, it's, it is a strategic move, and part of it is because this is a mid-biennial budget, mm -hmm. and we want to make sure before we, we analyze the need for them, which we do believe we need them, and that this will give a chance to test drive it, and then comparing that need with the other needs that we know will come out in the regular budget, and then looking at that, layering that on top of our forecast. So what we didn't want, and we felt for each of these that we can make a meaningful difference, even with the limited term, so that so that they were they were things that we could move the needle and make some improvements, even if we came to next year and said, well, we can't afford to fund them and convert them to a regular position, or it's not the highest priority for being a regular position. So. This is being a mid-biennial budget. I think that um, the city manager wanted to be very cognizant that we that we didn't get things out of order and that we're weighing all of the needs at one time. Thank you, Councilmember Roberts. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I do appreciate what was put together and brought before us. Um, I specifically like the. Uh, term limited position and I recognize uh, Deputy Mayor's concerns <laughs> or potential concerns about them or at least a question about them but of the uh, community engagement and public communication coordinator I know as uh, especially this year we've heard a lot from our residents about inconsistencies in public communication and the fact that we've um, been traditionally relying on consultants for this work or overworked uh, or other city employees who, who whose primary job is not public communication sort of thrust into that position and working with the public and so having consistency I think is going to be very helpful and uh, I'm very happy about <laughs> seeing this in the budget uh, I think that's a good thing um, the the question though I have is the move the planned uh, transfer to the revenue stabilization fund of somewhere around 1.2 million. I understand that's our policy of 30, I mean, the goal is 30% of economically sensitive revenues being transferred to that fund. But when we think about sort of our reserves in total and how limited that the uses of those revenue stabilization funds are, 
I, I'm wondering why there was the decision to make that transfer all in one sort of one half of one biennium rather than spreading the sort of that out over several over a couple years or over the entire biennium or even more so sort of thinking about was this something that we haven't looked at in previous bienniums and now we're realized oh we're we have this big number that we need to fill can you sort of explain some of the thoughts around that request well, I, I would say uh, that uh, fund specifically is proportionate to how well we're doing in our operating revenue. So we obviously had a couple years with some stronger revenue sources. And just to be prudent and conservative, we want to make sure we maintain that same ratio of reading the fund in case something that could potentially, you know, happen that has a significant downturn that's dramatic, just as dramatic as increase in revenue. So that's why we uh, we strive to maintain the proportion, you know, maintain that 30%, even though it is significant for one year, but we did also have a pretty good couple of years for revenue as well. And we, we actually should have made a transfer last year. And so it was overlooked. And so there is some catch up in there. And we still are in a very healthy fund balance in our general fund, even when we take out um, all of the set-asides that we have. So I actually think that it, it is prudent to make that transfer of the full amount at this point and to stay in compliance with our policy. Yeah, I recognize that, and I also recognize that there's a lot of unmet needs, and especially unmet capital needs in the city. And so because of the how limited those reserves can be used, I mean, certainly, as a council, we can change that policy, but I, I wouldn't recommend that. But I mean, that's a large. I mean, it's, when we have projects, um, uh, sidewalk projects around schools, we have a sort of other list of things that may be. I mean, that I mean are really helping are helping the residents today rather than sort of budgeting for a potential downturn, which. I mean, I can't. I don't even. I can't remember what the what the trigger is for some of that. But I know that we, when we set this up in 2009, 2010. I mean, it was designed and it was put together in a place in a moment where the we weren't sure we were in the middle of that great uh, recession, and we didn't know what was going to happen. And now we will never ever know what's going to happen. <laughs> in terms of what the economy is going to be. But that was a relatively, I think now we can sort of look back. I mean, that was a much longer, it was a, a downturn that didn't come back <laughs> quickly. But it was, thinking historically, I mean, there have not been many of those types of downturns. And even then, during that period when we set this up, we, haven't, we never used it. So I'm wondering, I'm wondering when we think about sort of what the needs of the residents are today versus let's, I'm, I'm not suggesting the policy is bad. I'm just thinking, why do it all at once? Why, why make this sort of large transfer when there are unmet needs in the community now that we can sort of 
do I mean sort of do ha a quarter now or a third now, a third next year, a third the following year, and sort of still make up when, as th things are rel things are looking okay mm -hmm. um, that, or or good for the city. That would be something council could direct us to do in, as an alternative. I would say that we are still projecting, you know, twelve and a half million dollars of fund balance beyond our required reserves and such. And our um, when we go out to issue debt, they love that revenue stabilization policy. It's our our reserve policy and such is is definitely something that is um, appreciated by the investment community. That said, you're right. As long as we're as we're marking, but when we say we are fully reserved, that that does provide some credibility. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Mayor. Other questions or comments, Councilmember Ramsdell. Uh, thank you, Mayor. Um, uh, just one little kind of line item kind of caught my eye, um, and it was on attachment E, um, line 251. Uh, it was on the transportation impact fee rate schedule under senior housing. And um, I, I recollect a conversation we had um, on October 16th that that transportation impact fee was going to increase quite, quite considerably. Um, there was the staff was recommending that there was going to be somewhat of a almost like a 79 percent increase in that um, TIF rate for senior housing, and um, I'm kind of wondering if you could help me understand why the why the 2024 proposed budget shows one uh, a lot lower rate than a 79 percent increase. I'm probably missing something here, so I'm just wondering if you could help me understand, like. I think at a high level, the answer is because this is taking the existing schedule and increasing it by the CCI only, oh, okay. not any of the policy discussions that you guys have been talking about. Okay. Once, once council takes action on that, then there'll be a second ordinance brought back to you okay. that would reflect those. Okay. So I think that that's the, the difference. Thank you for explaining that. It makes sense. Mayor, if I may, I think, Council Member, to your point, we're targeting either January 8th or January 22nd to have a second discussion about the impact fee ordinance if, in fact, the ordinance uh, that's in front of you next week is approved by Council. So that will be coming back um, at the second time, as, the, as Sarah said, uh, in early next year. Other questions or comments? Councilmember McConnell? No, he's already gone. So, so go, go ahead, Councilmember, and then right. we'll go back to Councilmember Powell. I didn't want to. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Um, uh, Councilmember Roberts brings up a point about discussing maybe every now and then that rainy day fund. Uh, actually, the two of us lived through 2007, 8, et cetera. Somewhere, you know, you, you probably have those dates embedded in your memory more than I do because we were really, really lucky because of all this conservative planning not to lay off what other people were laying off. We had some really heavy discussions about that where you did have to give some notice of them, maybe, maybe people being on the list maybe, but. I don't recall exactly the numbers, but we really came out great. Uh, and I think you were part of that organization back then. Uh, and, and so I want to just caution any, anybody on the dais that we have to be so much more conservative than our home budgets because we cannot 
turn on a dime. You know, we have this long uh, lag time. And so I, you know, you talked about the ratings. It's really, we get these great ratings because of the conservative uh, planning that we do. So, you know, I, I, it's a lot of money being just held off somewhere, but uh, we wait for those horrible things that happen every, I don't know, 10 years or, or two or three or what, you know, we don't know when it's gonna happen. So um, that's why it's really important for us to think more long-term than what we do at our, in our home budgets. Thank you. Councilor Republic. Thank you, Mayor. Another question, but I just want to say good call on the 15,000 proposal for ESD. You know, it just, I'm impressed because you're studying the trend and you know exactly what is current. So that's number one. Number two is, again, good call on the almost 3 million going to the uh, parks debt issuance. That will really give us, you know, some kind of stability, but also good credit. So I appreciate that. Thank you, Mayor. Any other questions or comments? I just add on the, the uh, rainy day fund that I asked a few years ago, like, why that number? Like, wh how, what's the math behind it? And the answer was that, you know, the American Association of Cities had figured out that that's the right amount <laughs> based upon experience. And based upon that, I, I'm a cautious person and I would prefer to put it back as soon as we can, um, as long as it's not deleteriously impacting other programs. Um, so given that, if there's no further comments, what's our next step on this? Um, yep. So for next step, we are looking to bring uh, these back uh, for action on November 20th. Of course, we look for your direction if any of these ordinance or resolutions should you wish to put them on consent agenda. Yeah, so, so the only bone of contention I heard is, is the, the amount we're putting into the rainy day fund. Council do you want it on action or? On action, all right, so let's put it on as, a, as an action. Could the um, rest of the ordinances, because that's just one of the ordinances, could the rest of the um, resolutions yeah. and ordinance right. go on consent? Y any objections to that? All right. Great. Okay. Thank you. Great. Thank, Thank you. you. And yeah, and that concludes our presentation. Thank right. you again Thank you. for and, uh, your time. Yeah. Thank you for going through an impressive number of slides and amount of detail in a concise manner. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and we are adjourned. <laughs>